Hey, Keto Freaks. In case you haven't heard, Richard Morris and I are turning the entire town of New London, Connecticut, ketogenic in July 2017. Keto Fest isn't a conference. Conferences are for professionals. Festivals are for people. We will have some great speakers, yes, but also a pig roast, music, movies, cooking lessons, fitness lessons, bike tours, walking tours, and a whole lot of camaraderie among fellow Ketonians. Richard and I will both be there, as will many of our podcast guests and Facebook group admins. There's so much going on, I don't have time to tell you here. So go to ketofest.com and add your name to the mailing list so you'll know where to go and when in order to get your tickets. KetoFest, real keto for real people. Welcome back to Two Keto Dudes. This is Carl Franklin from Connecticut in the United States. And in February 2016, I put myself on a ketogenic diet to take control of my metabolism. In two and a half months, I managed to reverse all markers of type 2 diabetes with diet alone. As of now, I'm 70-ish pounds lighter with no signs of diabetes or heart disease. Hi, I'm Richard Morris in Canberra, Australia. I've been on a ketogenic diet for over two years. When I started, I was very sick with complications from type 2 diabetes. Within six months of starting a ketogenic diet, all of my biomarkers of disease had disappeared. I've also lost about 70 pounds and have completely turned my health around. And this show is a document of my progress through ketosis and Richard's experience thriving for years in nutritional ketosis. Yeah. And hopefully this might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. Yeah, we're not doctors. We don't want to give anyone any medical advice, but we are keen to share our own experiences. We're actually both software developers, so we're not afraid of a little technical detail, are we, Carl? Nah. We've done some research into our own deranged metabolisms and the science behind them. We hope to share some of that research. Where possible, we intend to put links in the show notes to cite the research supporting any claims that we make. And you'll probably work out pretty quickly that we're both foodies. Yeah. We love to cook and we love to eat. So we share the great food that we eat on this diet, and every episode, both of us share a recipe for an essential keto meal, or a non-essential keto meal, <laughs> that we eat on a regular basis. So let's start podcast episode number 32, Female! Well, we'll explain that in a minute, but first, we do have one apology from last week. What's that, Carl? Yeah, uh, Beverly sent me a private message uh, in Facebook and said, First, Carl, thank you so much for the constant inspiration and keto leadership. I love the Facebook group and the podcast. It's such a source of information, guidance, comfort, fun, etc., yada, yada, yada. Awesome. I listened to the podcast Paying It Back this morning on my commute into work. I wanted to make one small correction. Mm -hmm. At the very end of your recipe, you and Richard discussed soy. You stated that soy slash black soybeans contain gluten, which isn't correct. Okay. And I didn't know this. No. Thank you. Mm, thank um, you. Soy and soybeans are gluten-free. Soy sauce, however, is fermented with wheat, ah. which is why it's on the gluten list. Gotcha. Okay. But most folks with gluten sensitivity or celiac, like myself, may find they have a soy sensitivity as well. I don't, but you never know. And then she gave us the source of this. And we will post a, a link to it, Yeah, the source of this information. We'll put that in the show notes. Beverly, thank you. This is exactly why we have errata and uh, why we need to be called on things like this. The last thing we want to do is spread misinformation. Yeah, totally, Carl. If anyone hears anything that they disagree with, please send us an email to dudes at twoketodudes.com and let us know. Absolutely. So uh, before we have our special guests on here, Richard, let's just uh, quickly recap what a ketogenic diet is. Sure. It's under 20 grams of carbohydrates, protein for maintenance, and energy from fat. Right. Or any diet that gets you into a state of nutritional ketosis is, is really ketogenic. That's right. But uh, those are the macro ratios that we follow. And uh, I want to get through this real quickly. How did you go this week? How's it going with you? 
Yeah, I had a good week. I've uh, been working on our blog, uh, blog.2keto.com, uh, and I put a blog post up on uh, fat deficit, uh, which has got a calculator in it that shows how much uh, fat you need to be able to eat, ironically, to be able to fast. Um, but I've got all the science linked on there, and that's been our most uh, that's been our most popular post on the blog. Yeah, and now I'm getting ready for the next Zorn fast on the 22nd, and that's pretty much my week. Awesome, Richard. And so, how was your how was your week, Carl? Well, I actually had a monumental week, and I'll tell you why. On the 12th, the day after the last show came out of September, yeah. uh, Kelly, my wife, and I quit drinking alcohol. Wow. Yeah. Big big change. Big change. And it was because, um, you know, we needed to do it together if we were going to do it. And there are multiple reasons why we needed to. Suffice it to say, I was at a point already where I could have given it up and I knew that it wasn't good for me. So I just did. And she did too. So we're supporting each other. That turned out to be a really good decision. Weight started coming off a lot faster than it usually does. Awesome. So now I'm no nuts, no wine, no alcohol of any kind. And that is really making a huge difference. There's one other thing that I got to mention before we bring the girls on, which is, of course, last week there was this huge article that came out in all the major news media about this uh, um, researcher who found these old documents from 1966 that show that the National Sugar Foundation or the Sugar Research Institute, I can't remember, which one was it? Sugar Sugar Research Institute, yeah. Yeah, these guys paid uh, some Harvard... Uh, researchers to publish uh, science, quote unquote, that counteracts claims that sugar was bad for heart disease and uh, shifts the blame to fat. Uh, We'll put a link to this in case you were hiding under a rock, but it was such huge news that it broke through the mainstream. And now all of my friends who have heard me talking about this stuff are now suddenly a lot more interested. Yeah, everyone's everyone's posting it to me saying, "Have you heard about this?" I've heard it, I've heard it from like about thirty of my friends on Facebook. Right, and uh, and it falls in line with you know the kind of stuff that we've been talking about here. Yeah. Um, one other story is that I was asked to play because I'm a musician, play and sing mm-hmm. for an Alzheimer's fundraiser down at Ocean Beach in okay. London. It was great, and a nice. lot of people came out. And when they got up to speak to rally the troops, you know, mm. about um, Alzheimer's and pay attention to this persistent progressive, insipid disease, and we have to stick together to find a cure. Mostly they were concerned with raising money to pay unpaid healthcare workers who care for uh, elderly and increasingly younger people with Alzheimer's disease. Nothing about diet, nothing about, you know, anybody who's found a potential cure already. Right. And then I went looking and it's embarrassing how much we've figured this out already. I know it's type three diabetes. Yes, it's in, it's incredible. Yeah, and, and, so, we, and we've been speaking, we've been talking about it for over a decade. It's it's been in all the media. It's not like people have any excuse not to know this. That's right. And uh, there are even books. There's a book by Henry Lauren called Alzheimer's Solved, five star okay. reviews on Amazon. There's another book uh, by David Perlmutter called Grain Brain that explains it. Yeah, there are numerous studies that show that starving the brain of fat is a primary driver of Alzheimer's as well as increased uh, insulin sensitivity in the brain, which is an over-expression of glucose. And so, the peak bodies are just ignoring it. People it's are completely it? ignoring it. And this, I feel the same way about diabetes. Yeah. The cynical part of me said, you know, yeah, all you people out there with Alzheimer's, you just keep struggling because you're making us all money. Mm, it's incredible, it isn't it? just made me mad. All right. That's enough of me on my pedestal. Yeah. I hope I hope everybody wisens up and we cure this stuff once and for all. Yeah, me too. All right. So the reason that we're calling this show female, I'll tell the story real quick and then I'll introduce Brenda and Kim, is that we had so many comments in Facebook from women who are like, hey, you guys are dudes, but you only talk about dude stuff. Mm. Us women's out here have so many issues that you don't have when it comes to nutrition, ketogenic diet as a therapy, uh, all sorts of issues that were affected by, how come you never talk about that? And of course, you know, there's probably an obvious reason. We don't have the experience, but we know people who do. 
So we, we would like to invite two of our Facebook group admins and also very intense keto ninjas, uh, Brenda Zorn and Kim Howerton to the show. Welcome, ladies. Hi. Thank you so much. Thanks, Carl. Richard. It's lovely to be here. So what were some of the burning questions that you see over and over again in the Facebook group as they relate to women's issues? Go ahead, Kim. Sure. Well, so there are, I think we all know that keto um, works in a lot of ways. And one of the main ways that it works is hormonally. Yeah. Um, and so women's hormones, if you know any women, um, you might have noticed are slightly more complicated than <laughs> um, than, <laughs> than sometimes men's hormones might be. Not every, every not every man, not every woman, but yeah, I don't want to blanket statement no, too I, much. No, I would but, agree. Mm. Yeah. And so, you know, issues come up uh, that women tend to deal with a lot. And there's a sort of an epidemic of something called PCOS or polycystic ovarian condition right. that um, is definitely seen a lot in the keto community. And it's because PCOS is a is a insulin related condition. And um, so that affects a lot of women and it affects fertility. It affects ability to lose weight. It gives you lovely side effects like facial hair, um, which is awesome hmm. for women, <laughs> generally speaking. Oh, no. And then, you know, it, it'll affect fertility. Um, there's also a lot around um, menopause. There's, you know, difficulty losing weight. There's, you know, unique protein requirements. There's period stuff chocolate is involved um mm. in many of these questions that women have uh, chocolate yes <laughs> chocolate there, yes brenda says yeah there's either like estrogen dominance or testo too much testosterone like all the hormones can get totally out of whack and mm. keto is one of the really awesome things that can help align those things mm -hmm. um right then, totally mellowed out totally and yes and you know then there's it, this is more a co-gender issue, but certainly diabetes is a major issue yeah, right. sure. for everybody. There's um, things that are sort of not as well known that women get too, like lipidemia, where your legs get and, and butt, you get really big below the waist, but your upper body isn't. And it's this very specific condition. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, so there's, there's a bunch of stuff that are um, most generally in the woman category um, and then just on a societal level, um, women are, I mean, men get it too, but women are really deeply, deeply immersed in dieting culture. Oh, yeah. Right. right. Obsessive rules, fear of fat, um, dysfunctional restrictions. Mm. Totally. And, and so going keto has some very unique challenges as a woman who spent her whole life being told that um, she's a bad person if she eats fat. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. So, it, yeah. It's like fat phobia multiplied, really, isn't it? Very much so. Right. Yeah. Like, you have to eat your fat while hiding. It's a very easy mistake to make because sugar kind of does this. You know, when you when you eat sugar, it goes right into your blood. Yeah. And so it's very easy to fall into the trap of, well, when you eat fat, it probably goes right into your blood too. Right. People totally don't understand keto. I mean, I yeah. think that's a pretty basic statement. You know, when you're like, I eat a lot of fat, they're like, oh, that's terrible. Um, but, mm. you know, when you actually learn the science behind it, it's kind of a, the most awesome thing ever. Brenda, what's been your experience about um, women's issues coming up in various groups? You've been doing Facebook groups for a, a long, long time. Right. Um, ketogenic groups, probably about three years. Uh, one of the things uh, that comes up is, is what's been coined as menvy, envy of men's weight loss, because mm. sometimes they can much more quickly lose the weight than a woman can. And especially with couples, um, there can be quite a bit of uh, uh, tension there because the husband will be losing so much faster than the wife. Do you think that's because they both eat the same thing and they maybe shouldn't? Sure. I mean, their metabolisms are very different. Mm. So, and everybody's, you know, is, is different, but 
this is an issue that's come up quite a bit where they're very frustrated. You know, my husband's lost 40 pounds. I've only lost 10. What's going on? We had that a similar issue when Julie and I both started. She wasn't, I was metabolically deranged. I had type 2 diabetes. She didn't. She wasn't deranged, but she basically did the same diet just to join me. And she has lost, uh, she's gone down to a normal body weight. Um, she's, she's lost like a third of her body weight. Mm. And I've lost about a quarter of my body weight. And I lost all of mine in the first five months and she lost very little in the first five months. But she, right. she then continued on a gradual decline, um, in body weight, uh, almost over a year and a half. And wow. so we definitely lost at different rates. Mine was, mine, I plumped, my, my body weight plummeted and then I plateaued and then I was just a, at a comfortable point from that point on. Mm. And hers was a gradual decline all the way along. So I, I love that term menvy. I've never heard that before. I think I made that up. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's now a thing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I've heard. That's interesting you say that, um, Richard, because I um, was listening to a podcast and for the life of me cannot now remember which doctor it was that was talking, but I'll find it so I can give it to you guys for mm. the show notes. Um, and he said that in his practice, um, he he's a bariatric doctor. He finds when he puts people on a ketogenic diet uh, – Oftentimes, the men lose fast in the beginning, and the right. women will not lose at the beginning because there's a lot of hormonal regulation that's happening, and the body is busy. Mm. Very busy. Hormonal regulation is like the weight loss is going to have to wait, um, yeah. and then they'll lose more weight later. So it can, it can be a very different schedule our bodies are on. Well, that certainly happened to Julie and I, and I know that it happened with Nanette and Baden, friends of ours that uh, also did the diet. Uh, so that that's an N of four. <laughs> it certainly <laughs> has happened. Another issue is uh, women and fasting. There's um, some dogma floating around out there that uh, that women can't fast even. I oh. think uh, Dr. Fung mentions that in his book, that women shouldn't fast. Um, yeah. And that's still going around. Uh and there's there's a lot of things attached to that, such as oh, you're fasting, or do you have um, some kind of eating disorder, right. or that kind of thing that are very much attached to. Women. Oh my God, you you brought that up. I, I'm not going to say who this was, but I saw that very very clearly in a woman that I know who, when she was younger, had uh, bulimia, and mm -hmm. uh, and not anorexia, but she was bulimic, and she definitely had. An eating disorder, and yeah, it's uh, or, be very serious. Or, yeah, it is serious. And and then when her daughter grew up and went keto, the big concern from the mother was that the daughter had an eating condition. And it's just funny how uh, that we right. how that how we uh, project our own failures and fears onto those around us. And that has a lot to do with how um, women uh, in society try to conform to uh, the perfect body type that they see on TV or magazines yeah. uh, and do uh, extreme things to try to lose weight. And uh, that's why sometimes um, the ketogenic diet or if I tell some, if I told uh, a few people that weren't ketogenic that I fasted five days a few weeks ago and, and there was some concern from some people that didn't understand what it was. Right. And I had to explain, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think. And that's they the don't look believe they you. had on their face. Like, oh, no, something's wrong with you and you're doing something that is not safe. Yeah, I think your mentality shifts so much when you're keto, when you really go keto, you know, like all my life, I had such a diet mentality. I mean, even when I had said like, screw this, I'm not doing that. It was still in my head, right? Like I was yeah. rejecting diet mentality. My whole life was still sort of um, related to it. I was, I was either for it or against it, right? Sure. And yeah. like on keto, um, it's the first time that part of my being has shut off. Yep. And so the decisions I make within keto are much more about like, how do I feel? How do I, you know, am I, am I starving? Am I satiated? Like I'm actually for the first time ever really able to hear my body in terms of hunger signals and- And you're not alone there. We, we yeah. have that no. same as men. We have that same yeah. clear- 
clear signal. Very important. Yeah. And so so I think for people outside of keto, it's sort of like, you're like, I can breathe underwater. And they're like, no, you can't. You know, it's <laughs> I know. like they don't even understand the context. So you guys got some uh, messages from our listeners and from people asking questions about females. So we're going to hand over you the segment called Female! 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 We don't like puns or anything. Oh, that's so awesome. That is so awesome. <laughs> And uh, while we're at a light moment here, that background noise you hear is uh, Brenda is outside the coffee shop stealing some Wi-Fi right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. The things that we do for you, listeners. That's right. So Cindy in the Facebook group says, going out on a first date tonight and just discovered he eats keto. Score! (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. A few people have said that they have, I've seen various people say we really should have a keto dating site. Oh, wow. Um, But, you know, that's maybe coming in a while. Congratulations. It's a bouncing baby bacon. (laughs) (laughs) I've got to admit, it's a lot easier when you're keto together. And and if you're dating, you know, I could only imagine that uh, that if one of you is ketoing while dating, that might be quite complicated, but uh, it's awesome. My partner is not keto. And so we definitely, you know, have that difference. But I mean, it's, it's not even a thing. Like, I certainly think, you know, dating someone new, that's, it's always good to have things in common. Um, (laughs) Keto is kind of an obsession for people um, when you get into it. A little. Like my family was like, enough, (laughs) enough, Kim, we get it. It's like Windex, like it cures everything. We understand. I know. But at the same time, like if you're with somebody that's not keto, it's really pretty simple. Um, You know, you make whatever you want to make and and add on what they want to make or, you know, most mm-hmm. of us are hopefully dating fully functioning adults that can make their own food, which is awesome. too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You might think that cooking keto all the time, you know, you're just like one cracker away from gaining all your weight back. But that may be true in the first week or so. But you, when you're fat adapted, the last thing in the world you want is carbohydrates. And that's just right. the way it is. So there's no problem of, you know, your partner bringing home a pizza and eating it across the table from you who's, you know, enjoying some glorious smoked lamb with uh, fennel salad, for example, Richard. Mm. <laughs> right. Or I just peel the cheese off the pizza and eat that. Yeah, it's totally well, cool. That, too. <laughs> <laughs> that works. There are many ways to make keto work. Yeah. So we also got a message from Carla on Facebook, and she says, a tip for ketoers with type 2 diabetes. Regarding talking to your doctor about the low-carb, healthy fat way of eating, if you start out the conversation by talking about a carb-restricted or carb-controlled diet, that will prime their ears to talk about old-school diabetic management, like my grandmother used to use, which very few of their patients seem interested in anymore. But it did work, and they know it worked. Don't even mention the high-fat part. If they start hounding you about the the dangers of eating too much protein, you can tell them that you'll be watching your protein intake so it doesn't get out of control. And point out that the improved blood sugar control is a significant benefit for any diabetic. The time for the healthy fat or high fat part will be at your next three or six month check. When they do the blood work, if your lipid numbers are up, you can point to your improved A1C fasting, glucose, blood pressure and weight. I'm no expert, uh, nor do I work in healthcare, but this is what I did with my PCP, uh, primary care practitioner, and she was totally on board with it. I haven't gotten to my six-month check yet, but I'm expecting her to continue to support my journey. Of course, your mileage may vary with your doctors. So uh, that's an interesting thing. How do you talk to other people about, uh, about your diet without upsetting them, or do you care about upsetting them? Well, I have tried to explain to my doctor. Mm. I have... I have um... She didn't know what the word ketosis meant, so I'm oh, in the process of finding a doctor who um, who understands this a little bit more. I think uh, the outline that Carly gave is excellent. Um, definitely, I that's a good way to approach it. My doctor has, of course, already seen my A1C go back to normal from 11.5, and her and the people in the lab even because I used to go in there every three months, they kind of knew who I was, <laughs> just stopped me and said, what are you doing? And I didn't, you know, say the ketogenic diet. I 
just said I'm eating low carb. Um, she's not really, my doctor isn't really open to it. I suggested, uh, Volek and Finney's book, um, uh, yep. the art and science of low carbohydrate living. Sure. And yep. she's, she just said, I don't really have time to read that, yeah. which yeah, is yeah. you know very disappointing. So especially after she saw my numbers, my goodness, my mm. lipids were 1200. I do not have time to cure my patients. I am too busy doctoring. <laughs> right. It's just, it's, it's sad, really. It's sad. Oh, well it's said. Sad, but, oh, I, I'm excited to find a doctor who, um, who, who will uh, pay a little bit more attention to what I'm doing. Well, you know, yeah. that's the thing. We're and not, look at my record. We're not saying that you need to brainwash your doctor. That's not even possible. But what we're saying is you, you present the evidence and if they completely ignore it and continue to give you a spiel without any science to back it up, that's not a good doctor. It's just the way it is. And so we yeah. like to say here, you either change your doctor or change your doctor. Change your doctor. <laughs> yeah. I do not have diabetes. I have a slightly elevated A1C when I started, um, which was not incredibly long ago, actually. But um, I do have pretty bad hypothyroidism and also PCOS. But when I was diagnosed with the hypothyroidism, I was seeing a doctor whose name is Sarah Gottfried in the Bay Area of California. And she wrote a book called The Hormone Cure. And she supports, she's a little more paleo than keto, but she mm. definitely, she was like, the first thing she's like, get off grains. You can't have grains. No, <laughs> no grains for you. Mm. No car, you know, yeah. let's reduce your carbs. Let's get the carbs down and, and include healthy fats. Well, good. And so she was awesome. And then I recently switched to another endocrinologist because Dr. Gottfried has gotten very famous and no longer sees patients. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, um, and the first, I said, you know, I started the conversation the exact same way she did, which was, so I've cut out all carbohydrates except for veg some vegetables. And she was like, well, that's awesome. Are you eating enough healthy fats? And I was like, <laughs> okay, we're going to be fine. Yeah. We're going to be good friends. <laughs> well, I want a doctor to say that to me. When you live in the Bay Area, the awesome part is it's a pretty paleo culture. Um, the problem is everything costs about $10,000. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a balancing act. I used to go to a doctor when I lived on the coast and um, uh, I, I won't mention his name, but he he really wasn't across a lot of these things. And when I moved up to Canberra sort of a year ago, I went shopping for a new doctor and I got a recommendation in one of the low-carb down under uh, news groups for the doctor that I currently go to and she is awesome. She's more of the Michael Mosley 5-2 diet kind of, you know, she does intermittent fasting and that kind of thing rather than ke purely ketogenic. But, uh, yeah, it, it's wonderful when you when you get a doctor that's simpatico, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's Yes, it's awesome. I, I'm completely jealous of you two and what you have right now, and I'm going to get that in place in my life, absolutely. Yeah, you'll get there. My doctor gave me six months, and at six months she said, okay, you're on your own. <laughs> just keep doing what you're doing. Doing good. Well, we can't have a female show without mentioning uh, Shark Week. Shark Week? What's that? <laughs> so, well, that, that's a term we've coined for the 28-day menstrual cycle, and I love it. I love that particular. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not sure why that started, but to me, it's like, okay, uh, bloody pain is what... <laughs> But, but what I think of when I hear shark week, that this is, fits. This is not a. I will not take credit for this particular term. I saw it in an. Oh no! In another yeah. keto group, I think it's, it's been. It's been around for around, a while. Yeah. I'm a pretty plain talker. I just say your period. But apparently, okay. a lot of the world likes the term. Uh, you know, a colloquialism. I mean, it used to be like ant flow, and now yeah. it's turned into shark week. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> so, well, does it speak to the hormonal change? Well, I mean, I, you know, there's oh, a, all of it. There's a lot of there's a lot of interpretations of why we came up why Shark Week. I'm always like, I always thought, is it there's blood in the water? I was like, that's pretty. I think graphic. that's probably it. Yeah. So what happens yeah, anyway. to you guys when when that week happens? What what changes oh, in your Lord. appetite or your hormones or that you've observed? Well, everybody's a little different, but I can tell you the day before it starts, I will eat everything in sight nonstop and just does don't seem to be satisfied. Uh, that and but luckily only one day for me of that when I before I was keto I had really rough periods I had like a lot of cramps I had a lot of cravings I would basically want to like I was like I also got a lot of period related anxiety um this isn't something um so a lot of women get different mood disturbances with their period um 
what's more commonly oh, yeah. known as rage will happen. <laughs> <laughs> but there's also um, anxiety can go up. Like I get kind of panicky, uh, mm. or I did. Me too, for about a day or two before, and then I absolutely know it's on its way. That and wanting to eat nonstop for about a day. Mm. Right. And and but since I've gone keto, like my first two months of keto, I noticed I had less cramps and a little less anxiety. But I was still like, I need to eat a lot of things, like all the things that I <laughs> can get. And and the past two periods, though, since I've been really keto, I, I was low carb for a long time, fell off the yeah. wagon, and then really went keto about four months ago. So I'm a shorter term ketoer, mm-hmm. yeah. um, but a lifetime to go. Um, but the past two periods, and especially this last one, it was like a breeze. I was mm. shocked at how not horrible I felt. Um and I still felt like a little tired, a little worn out. I still kind of wanted things that I wanted, but it was totally manageable. Um, and so, um, I, but there is a lot of evidence though, and women should be um, prepared for this, that when you start keto, your period can go wacky, like wacky, wacky. Like mm. you might get heavier periods, you might get more frequent periods, you might have longer periods. Right. You might have one that lasts two weeks instead of five days. Right. Um, you might have one that's almost really difficult to control and you need to be changing things every hour, which that's what I had before keto. So mm. this is a question for you and forgive me because I don't have a lot of experience with this, but if, if when you're when you were starting keto and you know it was your period... Were, did you have strong carb cravings? No. No, no I, not me. Just food in general. I, I don't even have really a chocolate craving, although I love it. Mm. Um, but you no, know, just food in general. My first month, I really wanted chocolate, but I think it was just a knee-jerk thought. You know, yeah. like you have mental patterns where you're like, period, chocolate. It's like <laughs> yep. it's like a word association game. It's an excuse, <laughs> yeah, too. <laughs> and and once I like really felt into it, I was like, you know, maybe I'll put some cocoa in my coffee today, but I'm not gonna like eat the Hershey's Forest. Well, and you you right. know as well as I do that chocolate is totally okay. It's just what kind totally of sweetener is. you mix it with. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Or eat that 86% or 90% yeah. or I even dabble in 100% every now and then. Just a little piece. I love that. I always keep yeah. the chocolate yeah. mousse in my fridge and whenever I want that fix, I just go grab a spoon of it and it's that's wonderful. Right. I do not think you need ovaries to feel like chocolate is an essential part no. of your life. <laughs> I don't think not so at all. either. <laughs> yeah. No. Nah. I made blueberry white chocolates this week and they were awesome. Oh. They were beautiful. You know, I'm going to call you on that, though. I'm calling you on that. Those are awesome, but white chocolate is not chocolate. It's not chocolate. I'm just going to say no, it. it's not. Cocoa you're butter. Right. No, I'm, you're right. I'm it's, calling you on that. Isn't it made with uh, cocoa butter? Yeah. Yeah, it's made with the co- coconut fat, but it's uh, it's it, instead of using cacao solids, the the cacao powder, it uses uh, milk milk powder. But uh, yeah, I know we don't like to go I love too it. controversial on this show, but I had to assert myself in that moment. <laughs> okay, yeah, I love it. Uh, yeah, but oh, but I I should I should finish the. I started by saying that your period may go really wacky um, at first. Yeah, at first it should. If it persists to be wacky, you should probably go get that checked, and it's probably no biggie. But it's always a good idea if you're bleeding a lot. That you should make sure you're, there's nothing actually wrong, but there probably isn't. Oh, yeah. I, I, I used to get anemic. So, I mean, it can be a real right. issue, but not since keto. Since keto, I have what would be considered a normal menstrual cycle. But before, uh, it was very heavy. My iron got down to 4.5 once, and they wanted to do a blood transfusion. Wow. I, mean, wow. I, I had some real issues. I, um, yeah, but not, not mm. anymore. I mean, wow. now it's everything. Matter of fact, it actually, as you age and as um, the menopause thing starts to happen, what that really is is just they get further apart until they stop. That had started to happen about two years before keto. And as soon as I went ketogenic, my age started to reverse. (laughs) And I now it's back to every 28 days. Wow. Um, and that tells me a lot. That tells me a lot about hormonal. You're pretty, you're pretty much changing everything up hormonally uh, when yeah, you go from being so. a glucose burner to being a fat burner. And, and you, it's, it's much, you're, you're moving to a much more, a much simpler milieu uh, hormonally um, 
and and because you because insulin's not a major factor and all of the other uh, hormones that insulin chore- uh, choreographs with aren't a, aren't as much of a factor. So mm. it should be simplifying things totally. in theory, but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it has for me. Mm. And made you younger too, which is awesome. Well, yes. When you get to be my, you know, I'm older than Kim. I'm 52, uh, and you you see your Not doctor. For long. <laughs> uh, they, yeah. Oh, that's true. I turned 53 and um on the 29th, just two days after Richard. But that's um, true. But Richard, you're just turning 50, right? 51. I turn 51, 51. next week. Yeah. Oh, okay, two years. I younger. just turned forty-nine. I'm forty. I'm the youngest for once. <laughs> You're the baby. Yes, yes, but 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 what I was going to say was is that um, when when you are uh, closer to your fifties, and you go in for your you know your regular yearly physical, one of the things they do check is your hormone levels, and one of the reasons is they want to see if you are in fact still fertile because if you are, then they're going to want to talk to you about you know, continuing birth control. Right. And when they've checked my levels the last, you know, two times I've had a full physical since keto, um, she said, you need to be careful because everything is just exactly <laughs> as if you were 18. Mm. Wow. So, yeah, and keto has done that. It has, yeah. Keto babies are a thing. Are they? Yes, they are. Absolutely. Oh, yes. What do you mean by that? Well, so <laughs> your your cycles are now regular um, you, you know, you might have been having inovulatory cycles, which is you bleed, but you're not actually releasing an egg. When your hormones right. get um, more regulated, your fertility goes up. And if you got used to being able to be sort of lazy about your protection methods with your husband, you might find you have one more child than you originally thought you'd have. I see. So fertility increases. <laughs> it, it tends to, yeah. Yes, very much so. Everything starts working right. But your libido also increases. So that's, a, that's a bad combination, yeah. <laughs> you have an increase in input and an increase in output. Exactly. So yeah, right. that leads us to another question, which is keto while pregnant. And while most people seem a little horrified at that idea, Evidence has shown now that the insulin resistance level of your child is really, really influenced by what the mother eats when pregnant. And so if the mother is eating a lot of sugar and a lot of high-carbohydrate food, that is going to tend to give the baby a predisposition towards insulin sensitivity later in life. Yeah, I found that super interesting. Right, I read that article. Especially an insulin-sensitive mother who uh, is used to uh, eating quite a lot of carbohydrate food and managing them appropriately, if the father is genetically insulin resistant, uh, the child has a good chance of of, uh, inheriting the father's characteristics and then living in a womb that is bathed with sugar and insulin all the time. And then also, um, Richard, you, you went on to say that now if you've got a mother who is insulin sensitive... They're yeah. the one. They're the caretakers. They're the one that are going to harp on the kids about their diet and exercise and stuff. Right. And their metabolism is completely different than than the kids. Yeah, and so everything that worked for the mother, it, the mother was always able to lose weight by uh, you know reducing fat and uh, and um, just doing a little bit more exercise and all these strategies that worked for her. As her child starts getting fatter. Uh, she's going to start trying to employ these strategies, and of course, they're not going to work. And so, it's going to make right. it worse. I've seen this yeah. pattern. I've, this uh, Carl and I both fit into this pattern, and I've seen it happen. But it could happen the other way too. It could happen that the father is insulin sensitive, and the mother is insulin resistant, and the father is the right. one that has success and yeah. is is bringing up, you know, the, the put, giving the mm. wrong message. I have an insulin resistant mother and an insulin sensitive father. My father can mm. drop weight by cutting you know he can go he can do the low fat thing and lose weight um and he yeah. he's in his 70s and he's his a1 uh oh dear what is it called the a1c mm-hmm. um yes. is still in the non-pre-diabetic range um wow. nice. and you know he's still very healthy in that way the the thing is though um what i think is crazy is that gestational diabetes is like one of the worst things. I mean, there are a lot of bad things, but it's Mm. a very common, very bad thing for a woman to deal with during pregnancy. 
It right. is pretty common and, and it is yeah, it's dangerous. And too. it's it's very dangerous. Not just does it create an insulin resistant child, which is, you know, thanks mom. You know, mm. it's uh just to clarify, gestational diabetes, let's define that because it could sure if you don't know what it is, you could think, Oh, that's giving diabetes to the child, but it's really for the mother, right? During pregnancy. Right. Yes. A lot of women in pregnancy that are not diabetic pre pregnancy develop diabetes while pregnant. Right, that's why it's called gestational. Yeah, and then when they're not pregnant anymore, they it sort of goes away, right? It, yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and my, my sister had that. Yep. And so, um, you know, it's it's this crazy talk thinking we have to feed these pregnant women like a ton of carbs. Yeah. Right. Um, so that you know they can potentially have you know life threatening complications with pregnancy. I you wow. know it's not, it's not it's not a good equation. And I do know several people that have done keto pregnancies. Happy little clams they've been. Mm. Um, and you know it's definitely something you have to manage with your with your physician. But we need um, more stories. We yeah. need more women yeah. to speak up and yes. contact yes. us and tell us your experience of uh, being pregnant with uh, on the ketogenic diet and uh, Brenda and I would love to do a show on keto pregnancy and keto infancy you know breastfeeding is also comes up breastfeeding we'd yep. love that we'd love to have yeah. some keto moms well we think we would like to give you guys this platform as often as you want to uh, to explore absolutely. these issues there's absolutely no reason why we can't do that Awesome. Women are going to love you for that. Yes. Well, we're all humans. Well, we're, yeah, we, we kind of, when we first started the show, we chose the name Two Keto Dudes because you know, it was a cool name. And, and the, domain the domain was available. Was available. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and we kind of, we kind of painted ourselves into a corner um, right. because, you know, there's half, half of the world um, uh, aren't necessarily dudes. And uh, so, you know, <laughs> that's right. So the dude we, does we, abide. I think I think dude is a is a it's a gender neutral term, but then I'm Australian, so you know I'm likely to have a it's an American term, so dude, you, you don't want me to find you don't want me defining yeah, dude. <laughs> I'm from California. I can anyone can be a dude in my mind. Absolutely, totally, there you go. Yeah, well, in Minnesota, they think I'm nutty when I call everybody a dude, but okay, whatever. Well, one last piece of mail. This isn't a question, but Sandra says, school is back in session. I teach high school kids. They notice and comment on everything. When they last saw me, I had lost 10 pounds. Now it's a total of 45, and I happen to be Cuban-American, and they call me Cuban Barbie. <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> okay. That is awesome. You it have is. to get that on a T-shirt. Yeah, Cuban, Cuban, Barbie. Cuban Barbie. That's a great amount of weight to lose. That's congrats yeah. on that. That's really no wonder they noticed. Well, uh, in keeping with the two keto dudes tradition, it's time for you ladies to give us your recipes. 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 Gingivitis. Okay, who's gonna go first here? I know Kim has got a recipe for something I have never tried. And I had no idea the ingredients that it contained. What you got, Kim? Is it lemon curd? Lemon curd. So I love lemon curd um, because it's a really versatile uh, thing. You can keep it in your fridge and then you can use it in all sorts of things. You can mix it with whipped cream and suddenly it's like a lemony fluffy thing. Mm. You can Yum. fill a tart shell with it, a keto tart shell, top it with whipped cream and you got a really impressive party dessert. Um, or, you know, if you have a spoon, you have a ready made fat bomb at all times yep. really a, just a spoon or i mean spoon spoon. Or, or it could be your own <laughs> container you could simply dip from it in any way you want so um lemon curd nice. is a pretty simple thing but it really impresses everybody um so here here's what you're gonna need you're gonna need a medium-sized saucepan a whisk a mesh strainer and a bowl now, mm -hmm. if you need this lemon curd to be ready soon, you're going to make that bowl <laughs> an ice bath bowl, mm. but, you know, where you put a bowl in another bowl with ice in the lower bowl, mm, it'll sure. cool it faster. That I found, I don't always do that. You can just put it in the fridge to chill. It just takes a few more minutes. So what you're going to do is you're going to take a half a cup of lemon juice, four egg yolks, and a half a cup of Swerve Confectioner's Sugar or the sugar substitute of your choice, but I really love Swerve. I think it's awesome. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I put that in the saucepan and I turn it on medium and I just stir it to combine. And 
as it comes to sort of a warm heat, I add a half a cup of Kerrygold unsalted butter. Oh yeah, and I let that melt. <laughs> Is that diced up? The butter? no, just I just throw it, throw the whole thing in there. I mean, it's <laughs> okay. it's a half a bar of the size I usually find in the United States. Um, usually, the bricks of Kerrygold that I find come in a, a, a cup amount. So you, yeah. you want you want a half a cup amount. Um, you could use another sure. kind of butter too. So far, it sounds like lemon meringue pie filling. Yeah, it's, it's the same thing. That is oh. lemon. Um, <laughs> so far, it sounds very yummy. Yeah. And then you yeah. just let the butter melt and you keep stirring because you don't want the egg to cook in there. Oh, by the way, if you get lazy, just throw the whole egg in. You ah. don't even have to separate them. But but I prefer it to have a little higher fat content and just be the egg yolks. Or yeah. rather, yeah. not a little lower protein content, I should say. Um, and I just keep stirring it until it thickens. It'll take about eight minutes. It never comes to a boil. But it goes from sort of liquidy to sort of like a thicken. It'll coat the back of a spoon thickness. Um, yeah. And then take it off the heat and strain it. So you don't need to like strain the juice or anything before you throw it in there because you're straining it as a last step. It'll strain out any little bits of egg that happen to cook, any seeds, anything like that. Strain it through the mesh strainer into the, the bowl, either the chilled bowl or not chilled. Um, and then put it in the fridge to, ch to finish chilling. Um, you can put it in smaller containers or leave it in the big container, cover it. And it's good for about a week. And you can do whatever you want with it. Nice. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I would definitely eat that with a spoon. Oh, yeah. wow. and I, I do a half a cup of sweetener because I like my lemon curd on the tart side. Mm -hmm. um, if you like things more on the sweet side, obviously, you can add more. Um, just t you can stick your finger in it and taste it or a spoon if you're actually wanting to be sanitary. Um, and you can also do it with lime juice if you want lime curd. Oh, yeah. Um, and top it with some zest if you want to get all fancy. Fancy. Yeah. Miss yeah. Fancy Pants, that's awesome. And I love the whole stirring um, uh, whipped cream into that. Or, oh, you yeah. know, if you really want the lemon meringue experience, you can make some meringue. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, just put that in the yeah, oven. Totally. Use, use the egg white from the uh, yep. from the eggs. And, what uh, a good and, idea. And you swerve. And then yeah. you got your egg white. Do it, Richard. Do it and post a photo. <laughs> Little almond flour crust. Yeah, a almond flour crust with yeah. lots of butter. I mean, mm. there are just so many things you can do with this lemon curd, and it really takes, like, from start to finish, like, 10 to 15 minutes. So it's an easy, like, oh, crap, people are coming over. Um, you add a little bit of, of heavy cream to it, and you have lemon pudding. I mean, mm. you can do all sorts of things with it. You have a link to this online somewhere, right, uh, Kim? Uh, it will be up. It will be absolutely. Put it on our blog? I will put it on your blog. And you can also yes. uh, find it on Instagram at The Ketonist. Oh, awesome. Hmm. Yeah. All right, Brenda, what you got? Oh, well, I have something a little unusual and sometimes puts people off when I tell them, but hang in there. Okay. Mm. I have a recipe for what I call um, pork rind pancakes. Pork rind mm. pancakes? Yes. That's crazy talk. I, I, it's crazy talk. It is. And to a lot of people, it's like, um, oh, gross. No, no, just hang on. You know, keep an open mind. <laughs> okay. okay. I, I came up with this a couple of years ago. Um. I had seen pork rinds used for a couple different types of desserts, and I thought, well, people, I was using pork rinds mostly for um, breading, uh, right. like a substitute for breadcrumbs right. and bread chicken and fry that, or a substitute for breadcrumbs and meatloaf, and it worked really well, but I'm thinking, I wonder if I could use this kind of as a flour, because when you cook it in these other things, like um, breading chicken tenders, you don't taste the pork rind taste. You don't take the pork taste at all. And so I thought, well, so I come up with this recipe for an, a pancake batter made mm -hmm. with um, crushed pork rinds. And, well, yeah, keep an open mind. If you miss pancakes, you'll love me forever after trying these. Absolutely. Nearly carb-free. You get about three grams of carbohydrate in the entire recipe from just the eggs, the cinnamon, and the cream. And the texture is remarkably similar to wheat pancakes. All right, here we go. You need a cup of crushed pork rinds, not powdered, not dust. Don't put it in the um, food processor. I usually put it in a large Ziploc bag and then smack it with a rolling pin. Yeah. Or you can roll it, roll anything over it. Mm. But you want coarse breadcrumb style. Uh, about one and a half ounces. 
Um, they don't weigh much. Now, did you say you get the salted ones or unsalted ones? Oh, yes. Absolutely. Plain. The plain pork rinds that are for snacking, so they do have some salt okay. on them. And that actually adds to the yeah, recipe. Yeah, it does. I, I put salt in my pancakes all the time. Uh, yes. So absolutely, that's something I needed to mention. Make sure they're plain pork rinds. They don't have any seasoning on them. Yeah. Make sure they're not cracklings. Those are the ones with the big chunks of fat and they're hard. Yeah. You need the the crushable uh, pork rinds that just really have two ingredients, um, pork skin and salt. Okay. So that's about a cup of crushed pork rinds or about one and a half ounces, two tablespoons of heavy whipping cream, two large beaten eggs, a teaspoon of vanilla extract, and a teaspoon of cinnamon. Mm -hmm. Now you just mix all this together and you let it set for a few minutes to thicken up. Um, maybe a couple, two, three minutes. Then you fry about a quarter cup of the batter in a hot greased pan, probably about medium heat. They don't bubble up around the edges like wheat pancakes did. Yeah. Um, so you have to kind of lift them and check them for brownness underneath. And then when they seem brown enough, flip them over. It makes about three large pancakes and they're a Literally one gram of carbohydrate each and wow. lots wow. of healthy fat. Awesome. So was this the recipe that Nanette put in a waffle iron? Yes. And she made waffles out of it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. You, and you can vary. Some people add sweetener to the batter. You could do that. Um, you can top it with sugar-free syrup. Uh, there are a lot of sugar-free syrups out there that have that molotol or molotol mm -hmm. um, yep. that causes problems for a lot of people and even blood sugar issues and but yeah. there are also um uh, pancake syrups out there that that have uh, sucralose and there is a really awesome maple syrup recipe on rule.me oh cool or mm -hmm. at craig clark's site yes it's a very very fantastic recipe for syrup or you can just put you know butter on it need them or a little more cinnamon some sugar-free jam or some lemon curd oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. So good. Well, lemon yeah. curd can be put on everything yeah, I I, okay. I'm starting to feel right. it, you know. <laughs> I am eating lemon curd with bacon right now. It's not a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try that now. Sweet and salty, hey? Yeah. Exactly. I like to dip bacon in uh, melted 86% uh, chocolate, so there we go. Well, ladies, thank you so much for joining us today. You're, You're welcome. welcome. And I know our listeners are going to look forward to hearing you on a regular basis. Yay! 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 All right. Well, yeah. you can't shut me up, so I'm happy to do it anytime. And nor would we want to. So, of course, if you have anything you want to tell us, something we said wrong, yep. something you don't agree with, some more research that you found to support or refute what we've said, send it by email to dudes at twoketodudes.com or post it on our website at twoketodudes.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at twoketodudes and Instagram at twoketodudes as well. Or you can find our blog at blog.twoketo.com. Or you can come and visit us on Facebook. There's over 4,000 people uh, in the Facebook forum, and you can get there at uh, fb.2keto.com. You can find our recipe archive at recipes.2keto.com. And uh, that's about all I got memory for right now. <laughs> we we got to get out of here. Thank you very much, everybody. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Keep calm and keto on. Keep calm and keto on. And we'll see you next time. On two keto doodads. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget the ladies. Don't forget the ladies.